Alright. We still in Genesis 6. Um, pretty much what we've seen is now in Genesis 6, the world is in trouble. The world's in big trouble. You saw pretty much... Huh? Like it is now. Yeah, well, no, it's actually worse than it is now. We'll talk about that. Um, because, well, I mean, just kind of going back to, if we just do a quick review, you got, you know, Adam messed the, everything up, sin enters into the world, and then sin grows, Cain into murder and then it grows even more as Lamech come remember Lamech came and boasted about the murder uh, to his wives and and you see the the sin is growing and growing and growing until here what we're going to see just a quick overview of what we're going to talk about is sin basically fills the entire earth corruption and violence fill the entire earth to the extent where when I said, Miss Judy, like it, you said like it is now, and I said, no, it was worse, uh, huh? Because there's only going to be one, one guy, Noah, that's faithful to the Lord in all of the earth. Only one guy. So it's a whole lot worse then than it is now. It was so bad, so full of violence and, and wickedness that, it, you know, this is going to be the impetus where God begins to... to uh, Warn Noah and to tell him, huh? I guarantee, yeah. Noah, it says it in Noah was, was, uh, he was, we, we saw it last week that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so he's going to call him righteous and blameless. But we know that that's uh, because of his faith, because of his faith. He's not righteous because he was sinless. He is righteous because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What what might not be? Uh, that you know that he was the only literal righteous person on earth at that time. Yeah, well, uh, I, I believe I believe so. I agree with you. I believe when you say righteous, I mean I don't mean perfect. perfect. Yeah. I mean yeah. faithful. Right. Faithful, the found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, he he's the he's the only one. Was all of his family that way too? Now see, that's a different question. I don't think so. But and the only reason I say that is, I mean, f- faithful in the sense that they were they were under Noah's headship, and Noah, of course, pre- preached to them. Second Peter says Noah was a preacher of righteousness during that time. Uh, but the text that we're going to read today puts the it puts the uh, it puts the the reason that the family is saved and the reason that because the creation is because of Noah. Yeah, because of Noah. So you can might say that, that, that we don't know for sure whether they were as faithful as Noah as far as their relationship with God or whatever. But it's it's all the reason I say he's the only righteous person that God found grace in the eyes of the Lord is because everything is placed upon him. He is the only one. It's through him that all creation is saved by him taking the animals, you know, and allowing them. And, and what we're going to see is, I mean, I'm kind of giving the whole thing away here at the beginning, but what we're going to see is that. Noah is a type of the seed that is to come. Remember, the whole point of the book of Genesis and even the Bible itself is that 
Adam fell, God promised there's going to be a seed of the woman that's going to come, and she is going to, he is going to crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And we have seen the two lines, the line of Cain, the line of Seth. One is faithful to God. One is, uh, we saw that last week or a week before. One is faith. All they all they trust in is their own works, their own stuff, their own ability to build cities and to to make cultural advances, advancements and metalworking and herding and all those kind of things. And you're going to see those lines going forth. And last week we talked about how the lines started mixing together. You know, the sons of God and daughters of men. Those lines started mixing together. So where now everything's messed up. There's corruption everywhere and there's only one man instead of a line of people that are faithful to the Lord now there's only one man Noah who is faithful to the Lord and we're going to see God decides because there's so much corruption so much violence and those lines have mixed now where there there's just there everything is wicked he's going to just wipe the slate clean start again with Noah and it almost looks like Noah is the seed but we're going to see that after the flood Noah himself sins and and is unfaithful uh, in his, in what he's supposed to uh, do, and so he is not the seed, but he is a picture of the coming seed, and it's through Noah's line that that the seed will come. Okay, y'all with me? That's kind of the overview. Um, so we talked about that. I guess verse nine is where we we left off with verse eight. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and then here's our our next Toledo statement: the generations. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Noah's perfection, the word perfect means blameless here. It's not sinless perfection, but he was blameless in the eyes of men. He was just in the eyes of God. He was justified in the eyes of God. Why was he so? Because Noah was such a good guy? No. No, it told you in the verse right before it. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, this verse really, it just seems like an introductory thing. But what it's doing is it's identifying Noah as the the seed, the uh, in the line of the seed. He's identified with... Um, Adam walked with God, remember? And then we have Enoch who walked with God and was taken. And now Noah walked with God. He's being identified as the line of Seth, the line that God has chosen to bring forth the seed. And we're going to see that as we go throughout Scripture, if we continue on, uh, because the seed is going to come from one of Noah's sons, not all of Noah's sons. And then you get down to it, it's going to come from Abraham and not both of Abraham's sons but only one of Abraham's sons is chosen and then only one of uh, uh, between Esau and Jacob only Jacob is chosen and then the twelve so the seed you, you can follow the seed line down through and that's why when you read the Old Testament I told you at the beginning of this you can't understand scripture unless you understand Genesis because the beginning tells what is going on through the rest of the entire book of the Bible what we're doing here in saying so and so beget so and so and so and so 
so-and-so begets so-and-so. Those are important because we're tracing the line of promise. God made a promise way back in the beginning, and we, we can trace the line of that promise that he is bringing forth that seed that's going to, we know, be fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is the true seed. But that is the line that we're following. And so he's identified, Noah's identified with the seed of the woman. Now what we're going to see here as we finish, I'm going to try to get all the way through chapter 6, is this is the beginning of the instructions to build the ark and, and all those kind of things. He says, uh, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Let me read 11, 12, and 13 because I want to show you something very interesting. The earth was also corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them. I will destroy them with the earth. I will destroy them, blot them out of, from the face of the earth. Um, the earth is filled with corruption. He says that twice. The earth is filled with corruption, filled with violence. What is it supposed to be filled with? Huh? Love. Well, of course love, but what did God tell Adam to fill it with? Yeah, the image, yeah, the image of God. People. They're supposed to be, he said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And Adam was supposed to fill the earth with God's image, but instead he sinned. We've seen the descent down into sin that the earth has gone. Instead of now being filled with the image of God like it was supposed to be and bear the image of God, it's filled with violence. Incidentally, the Hebrew word for violence is Hamas. You ever heard that before? Anyway, that's another commentary. But uh, the word corruption here is very interesting. I didn't know this until this week. Um, the word corruption is used over and over again. Do you see it? The earth was corrupt before God, filled with violence, and the Lord looked at the earth and behold it was corrupt, and for the flesh had corrupted its way. The word destroy in chapter 13 is the same Hebrew word as the word corrupt over and over again. So basically what God is saying here is he's saying the earth is corrupt, uh, God looked upon the earth, saw it was corrupt, the man had corrupted his way on the earth, so God decided to corrupt them. He says, basically it means ruined. Man had ruined the earth. It was ruined before him. So God chose, chooses to ruin them. It's the same word over and over and over and over again. And of course, it doesn't have no significant spiritual hidden meaning. I mean, it means exactly what it says. God's going to destroy them. God's going to ruin them because they have destroyed the creation. They have corrupted the creation with sin and violence and all those things. And you got to remember, when I said it was worse than it is now, what I mean by that is there's no at this point in history, there's no written law. There's no written, you know, God is going to establish what's called the lex talionis means the law of retaliation after the flood where it says if a man sheds innocent blood, then by man his blood must be shed eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He's going to institute that after the flood right now before the flood. I mean, it's the wild, wild west. You know, there's no laws. There's no there's no governments. There's no. 
you know, just everybody, you can imagine, you can imagine what it's like. I mean, with sin and corruption filling the hearts of men and men just running loose wild, it was, it was, it was murder and violence. When it talks about violence here, it's talking about violence against each other. It was just mayhem all over the place, all over, all the time. It was absolutely, you can imagine, it was probably terrifying for Noah and his family. Did you want to say something? Yeah. I don't know, maybe I missed it. Did you say how long it took from you know, time, time frame approximately from Adam to, to God's and everything just going on? Um, Adam lived, Adam died right before Noah is born. Or right right in the in the years that Noah was born. I can't remember if it was right before or it was right after Noah was born. But Adam lived like 900 and something years. So you got a thousand years there between... Adam and the earth descending into absolute wickedness, violence. You've got a thousand years. So. Millions or billions of people on earth by this time. Oh yeah, it's possible. Uh, I don't know about billions, but it's possible. There's really only, what, seven, eight billion in the world today. But they, 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 each person lives so much longer and they probably have more kids Oh, I guarantee you, yeah. I mean, if you live, let's say you had, I mean, 50 years ago, people was having 17 kids. You know what I mean? So you can imagine, if you can have 17 kids in 50 years, imagine how many you can have in 1,000 or 900. Or, My great-grandmother had 17. That's what I'm saying. Back at the generation ago, people had lots and lots more kids than they have today. Today, it's just usually two or three. Um but if you lived, just say, 700 years, I mean, you can have kids. I mean, you can have, for instance, when Noah goes into the ark, we're going to see this in the next chapter. When Noah goes into the ark, like on the day that he goes into it and the rain starts, his sons, his, at least one of his sons, probably all three are 100 years old. So his sons aren't little boys. And, I mean, they're a hundred years old. Noah's six hundred when he goes into the ark, and so. so all their right. Well, it was only eight people. That's something else, you know. I really we're. Yeah, but it's okay. I mean, this is what we need to do. Um, that's another thing that's strange, is that Noah only has three kids before the flood. Noah's three kids don't have any kids before the flood. But they have kids after the flood. And so it's it's almost like I mean, and I'm just speculating here. This is not this is not gospel or Bible or anything, but I'm thinking that it's almost a picture of it's almost a picture of Noah and his children not wanting to propagate this filling of the earth with violence and corruption. You know, it just seems that way to me. I can't prove that. I don't know if absolute, but they only, he only has three. That's all he has. And those three don't have any until after the flood. They're a hundred years when they go hundred years old, when they go into the ark. So it just, it almost seems like they didn't want to, or they weren't able to, they didn't have kids before the flood because the earth was filling exponentially. Remember where it says they were, you know, taking wives, whoever they chose, and they were just having kids and filling the earth. And the more they had, the more wicked it got because man was corrupt and sinful. And very, that's very interesting to look into. I mean, I wouldn't build a theology on it, but it's interesting. I, it, 
My thought, I, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, but I always thought that it just seemed to be that God was just controlling that they were not having children until after that. Very possible. Very possible. Like I said, I, that's just all speculation, but it is interesting, the fact that everybody's having kids except for except for Noah and his kids. I mean, think about it. If you live to be 600 years old, and in the prime of your life, you're having children, you know, and a woman can bear a child a year, a year and a half. I mean, you're looking at 200 kids. And by the time you start... yeah. Well, and if you... By the time you start on, by the time you start on the thirty years worth of having kids, you got great grandkids. That's right. I mean, so you're still having kids, and you have great, 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 great grandkids. Yeah, yeah. So that we're not talking about had a kid, had a kid, and it's a line. We're talking about a tree. You know, exponential. You had you have your first set of kids, and then they have kids while you still having kids, and then their kids have kids while you still having kids, and then they're. I mean, it it grew exponentially. But here's the point that the text makes, and this is what we're seeing, is that it grew exponentially, but with that growth, grew wickedness and violence and just corruption. And so in verse 14, it says, God said, 13, God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I will destroy. I'm going to wipe everything clean. I'm going to destroy it all. It is um, God's reveals his judgment to Noah. And if you if you think about it, God is showing grace to Noah in here because he's warning him and he's not just going to. Bang, there it is. He's warning Noah about this flood. And he's going to prepare Noah by telling him to build an ark and all those kind of things. We're going to say that in a minute. And that's a pattern that we've seen all the way through Genesis up to now. God gave grace first and then judgment. He gave grace to Adam before he exiled him. How? Remember, he clothed him rather than letting him go on his own. He gave grace to Cain before he exiled him. What did he do? Put the mark on him to protect him, to protect him. He gave grace first and then judgment. Here you see the same thing. Grace to Noah, warning him, telling him what to do to be saved. And then judgment. Judgment's going to come. So he tells him what to do. Uh, We'll go quick through this part. But it says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Have no idea what gopher wood is. Nobody knows. Most people speculate it's cypress or something like that. But don't know what gopher wood is. Uh, Rooms shalt thou make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. That's to waterproof it. You know, pitch is like tar. Um, And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. That's about 450 feet long. Uh, a cubit is for is, cubits are all through the Bible. Cubit is about eighteen inches. It's the span of your forearm, basically. So it's about eighteen inches, uh, about four hundred fifty feet long. It's uh, the breadth of it. The width is fifty fifty cubits, which is about seventy five foot, uh, give or take. Uh, and the height of it is thirty cubits, which is about forty five feet. So it's four hundred fifty foot long, seventy foot tall, seventy five foot tall. 45 foot wide. It's pretty dang big. They got one in Kentucky. 
Yeah, they do have one in Kentucky. You can go look at it. Yeah, it's pretty good. We may plan a trip. And a and a window shalt thou make in the ark. Window. The word window is the only time that word is used in the Hebrew Bible. It's it's disputed as to what exactly that means. Is it a skylight? Is it the roof itself? Is it? But why would they want to dispute things like that? Why can't they just take it that it's a window? Well, the Hebrew word is the only is the only time. This is the only time it's used in the Hebrew Bible. Most of the time, if to, to find the definition of a word, you look at all its uses and you get the semantic domain of it and then you can kind of tell how it's used in context. This is really the only time it's used in the Hebrew Bible. But it's a window. It's a skylight. We're going to call it We're gonna call it a window. Okay. Alright. That's what we're going to do. Shalt thou make the ark uh, and a cubit shall thou finish it above and the door of the ark shall be set in the side thereof with lower, second, third stories thou shalt make it. So it's a big, it's a big boat and it has decks inside with rooms on the decks, okay? For the animals, y'all got that? So it's three-story. It's actually seven stories tall, 75 foot high, but there's three decks in inside the ark for, you know, all the animals and that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's got a door. It's got a door in the side. Uh, he is going to behold. Seventeen. I even I do uh, bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. Whereas the breath of life from under heaven, everything that is in the earth shall die. Everything. Everything's going to be wiped clean. He is going to. Until this point, there was no rain, right? Yeah, well, there's speculation about that, but probably not. There was no rain. It says that the the ground was. Uh, yeah, what did it say? The dew was on the ground or a mist came from the earth or anything. So, yeah, there's that is very, 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 very possible that there's just no, there was, they didn't even know what rain was. So, that is very possible. Jason's thing is this boat was, do you believe at any point he had any help? It was just him doing it all. I think so. It was just him. Just him and his family. It was him and his family. Why well, it took a hundred years to build it? Yeah, it took a long. It probably took a long time to build it. Yeah, something like that. We can't be can't be sure, but calculate it up. It's uh, it's a lot. I mean, you could do you could you could and just think. I mean, you, you got to admit it's a massive undertaking, especially it, you can't run down to Home Depot and get the lumber. You know, what I mean, you're gonna have to cut the trees. You can't electric. Right. No salt. Yeah, you had to you had to do all that. No nails. You know, you can't run down and get no nails. You've got to if you're going to build it, you've got to make everything that goes into it and everything that you're going to use as tools to make it. So you're going to have to make every, can you imagine imagine the temptations that he faced of just besides persecution and besides people laughing at him, just like I can't I mean, are you kidding? I can't, what a job, I can't do this. I mean, you imagine after you've been at it for like six months and it's going to be, you know, another 80 years for you finish. <laughs> it's like, imagine the temptation of, come on, God, I can't. I mean, you just imagine. But Noah, it says Noah obeyed. Noah was faithful to, to do. Yeah, you'd have to have grace in the eyes of God to get that done. Um, verse 18 
God said, God just said, I'm going to destroy everything. This is the first time in the Bible, in verse 18, that the word covenant is used. He says, but with thee I will establish my covenant. This is a promise. He does so after the flood. He establishes his covenant with uh, with Noah. Uh, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee, and every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shall thou bring in the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Now, first of all, the covenant that he makes, this is this is to continue the promise, the seed promise. Noah is going to be the through whom the seed comes. He is going to be the uh, covenant bearer. We're going to see that as you move through Genesis. I've already told you that Abraham is the covenant bearer. Then then Isaac and not uh, Ishmael is the covenant bearer. Then Jacob and not Esau is the covenant bearer. And so Noah and not the rest of the world is the covenant bearer. They're all going to perish in the flood. He is the seed promise. And it says, this is why we were talking earlier about Noah's righteousness. He says, but we with thee, singular, I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark. And he says, and bring, you're going to bring your sons, you're going to bring your wife, you're going to bring your son's wife. So it's almost like God is saving Noah's family because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, that doesn't transfer over to our salvation. You know, God's going to save Dana because I've found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But what he's doing is he's going, he, he is, he is going to save creation. He's going to deliver. Let's use the word deliver. That'll help. He's going to deliver creation uh, through destruction and judgment. He's going to deliver this family through destruction and judgment because of the faithfulness of one man. Of course, that faithfulness comes by grace that we saw. But what does that sound like to you? Is that a picture of something we see in the New Testament? Jesus. Yeah. The, he is going to save creation, redeem creation. All of creation is going to be redeemed. Paul says in Romans chapter uh, 8, we eagerly long for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation groans. And those who are in covenant with Christ, his family, brothers and sisters in Christ, co-heirs with Christ, those who have an inheritance in God, they're going to be saved because he was faithful and lived a perfect life and died on the cross and was raised from the dead. So in this, even now, you see, of course, Noah's bearing the seed promise. But even in Noah's life, you can see the picture of the salvation that's going to be offered for all the world. Um, with the ark being built, isn't the ark also a picture of like the future tabernacle? I mean, isn't that like, you know, it, with it being built and, you know, God telling Noah, you know, these are only the specific people that can go in here. Mm -hmm. Isn't that also, you know, uh, a picture of like the future to come with like the tabernacle? And, and It's possible. I hadn't thought of that, but it's possible. It's possible that it could be. It, it was, and, you know, in the tabernacle, he was very picky. Very specific, yeah. And he's going to be specific about how this should be built as well. Um, but also, you got to remember, too, that the tabernacle and the temple were pictures of Christ, yes. really. They were pointing toward Christ. So the ark could be in the line of pictures that are moving us toward the picture, the fulfillment, which is going to be in Christ. Yeah, that uh, I didn't think about it, but that's, now, that could be true. I was just, just kind of grasping. We keep talking about Noah's faith toward God and how he found favor in God. You know, 
God picked him to do this outrageous task. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't even know what boats, you know, mm-hmm. that size could even be mm-hmm. built, you know, or that that kind of lumber could even be brought in and yeah. constructed. You know, the persecution that he took from his neighbors and his friends and, you know, his family even, well, not his immediate family, but, you know, I'm sure his sons think, okay, what the heck are you doing, Dad? You know? I imagine. I imagine. Especially after 100 years. Both be built. Yeah. You know, you know, and the whole time God is, is telling Noah all these, all this information about this one boat. It's like his entire life was supposed to be just this boat. Yeah. You know. And not only that, but you can imagine Noah's temptation for, I mean, how the animal's going to come, you know? How am I supposed to get all the animals of all, you know, he maybe didn't know until they started coming. And we know God brought the animals. It's going to tell us that here in a minute. But, I mean, just the whole magnitude of what he expected Noah to do and what he told Noah to do. And the think about this as well is not just, oh, i got to build a boat. But God is telling Noah, I'm going to destroy everything. And everybody's going to die. And if you want to live, you're going to be building this. <laughs> so it's like Noah's, it's not like, oh, God wants me to build this big boat. It's like, I've got to do this. Otherwise, it's going to be judgment, corruption, death, destruction. You know, it's it's almost like, it's almost like, it, it, I'm just saying it would be, it would be, it would be temptation. It would be scary. It would be frightening to have to be undertaking this. It would be, it would be all kind of things in Noah's flesh rising up, saying, "You can't do this. You're not going to be able to get this done. You're not going to be able to make it. You're not going to be able to get the animals here. You're not going to be able to whatever." I mean, it had to have been. It had to have been I think very the faithfulness bit that Noah had toward God, actually speaking to him and telling him to do this. Was, it's not about Noah sinning or being bad or you know thinking double thinking what God is telling him it's that God's telling him to do it and he's just doing it yeah that's something that you're uh, something I I was going to bring up sometime but I've never noticed this before but Noah doesn't speak in the text not a single time until like chapter 9 like after the flood you never hear Noah speak never hear Noah say anything he is not quoted anywhere except till after until after the flood it's just like god speaks and noah obeys god speaks and noah believes god speaks and noah gets to action <clears throat> nowhere do you see cain my punishment's too hard for me to bear adam the woman you gave me I, nowhere do you see noah speak back to god at all he just god says says no obey no obey noah talks to the people though he, he pre- he's a preacher of righteousness. Yeah, Peter says he's a preacher of righteousness. So I'm not saying he was mute or anything. I'm just saying it's not recorded. Yeah, it's not recorded. He, he may have talked to God and prayed. I'm sure he did, but it's just not recorded in a text. It's all, it's just presented like God spoke and no obey. God spoke and no obey. Chapter 7, verse 5, and Noah did according unto all the Lord had commanded. Yeah. You know, he never question anything. Yeah, it doesn't tell us at all that he ever questioned. Yeah, he... Therefore, she said a while ago about the ark being a picture of the tabernacle. I was always considered it being a picture of the cross because with uh, everybody going into a secure place like that, 
which is at heart, we always look at the cross as a picture of well, sure it is. our salvation. Sure it is. Sure it is. And there's a good, uh, I didn't bring it up, I wasn't going to mention it, but there's a, uh, uh, the word that it says it's covered with pitch is the same word that's used for atonement throughout the, throughout the Old Testament. So sure, of course it is a picture of salvation that God, God's going to seal them in right. to, the, to the ark. So absolutely. Um, verse 19 and 20, he's bringing the animals. He tells them, he tells him, this is just God telling him what to do. We're going to see next week that all this is going to start taking place. He's telling him, you're going to go in with your family. You're going to bring the animals. You're going to, the animals are going to come. Uh, every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, uh, shall you bring with you in the ark, male and female, the fowls after their kind, cattle after their kind, creeping things. Two of every sort shall come unto thee. They shall come unto thee to keep them alive. This is general. This is going to be important later, so you need to know this. This is just a general instruction. Uh, I don't want to get too technical because I don't want to to lose anybody, but he's just telling them, basically what he's saying is you're going to bring pairs of animals. Uh, In English, there's only singular and there's plural. In Hebrew, there's singular, plural, and there's also a form called the dual form. Like when it talks about hands, you got two hands. It's in a dual form. And so he's just talked using dual form here so he's just talking about pairs in chapter 7 we're going to see that he actually brings seven pairs of the clean animals and one pair of the unclean animals so this is not a contradiction he's just giving general instruction you're going to bring pairs of animals with you every living kind God is just giving him instructions and we're going to see next week that he brings those seven pairs those are to be used for sacrifice you know for those things have you heard Ken Ham's I don't know if I've heard it specifically, but I probably know what he's. Uh, it's very interesting, and he breaks it down. He breaks it. He he says it's not every species; it's every kind. Like kind. canine kind includes dogs, wolves, coyotes, all those. So he brings one pair, one pair of canines. Yeah, and he talks about how each. Each this dog will bring this, and this dog will bring this, and mm-hmm. you know how they get other species out of those two dogs. Right, you know right, yeah, yeah. We we uh, that's uh, microevolution is the adaption. But you never see macroevolution, which is one kind change into another kind. That's what you don't see. Like you can breed two dogs and get a different kind of dog but it's 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 still a dog you know it's not you can't breed it out of being a dog it's always going to be a dog it's going to be a different kind so there's some that's probably what they i hadn't been to the noah's ark yeah 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 because it's according to its kind so like what she's saying there is noah didn't necessarily have to bring a dog, a wolf, a Siberian wolf, an Alaskan wolf, a timber wolf. Uh, didn't really have to bring. All he had to bring is one canine and a pair of canines. And then after the flood, you know, they would breed and produce this. And then that one would adapt to its environment and produce another one. But it would still be dogs. It would still be coyotes, wolves, canines. It would still be dogs. See what I mean? That's kind of what. That's kind of what we're talking about. So. He says, build an ark. All the animals are going to come to you. Um, and he says, uh, 21 says, bring enough food. Take thou thee of all food that is eaten as you gather it together. 
uh, and they did, and it shall be food for these, and it shall be food for these. And then 22 is our verse. It says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Simple, easy. He says, everything that God commanded him to do, Noah did. Now it's important, before we go, flip over to uh, Hebrews 11, which is going to be, we're going to reference that chapter a lot as we go through these things. It wasn't because Noah was so awesome. If you go to thinking, if you walk out of here thinking, I'm telling you, or the Bible's teaching you, hey guys, y'all need to be like Noah. I mean, of course, you need to be like Noah as far as faithful, but Noah obeyed God not because Noah was so awesome and all the rest of the world was less awesome. Noah obeyed God by faith. In verse uh, 7 of Hebrews 11, it said, It's by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Noah was moved with fear. This irreverent, holy fear of God, a fear of judgment, a fear of the things that were coming, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So Noah trusts God. So it's not just like, I don't want you to think of God says move and Noah obeys blindly, uh, you know, because he's just, I'm going to, you know, God says it, so I'm going to do it. Of course, Noah obeyed and that's part of it. But Noah trusted God. Noah trusted that when God said, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark because I'm going to flood the earth. Noah trusted that God was truthful in what he was saying. Yes, he is going to flood the earth. And yes, we are going to build an ark. And yes, we're going to be saved through the ark. We're going to be delivered. The ark's going to float. There was no rush on the ark. The ark wasn't a boat in the sense that we think of a boat. That's why it's called an ark. It's not called a boat because there's no rudder, there's no steering, there's no nothing. It gets in there, it floats, and you trust God. God is going to land it wherever he wants to land it and you know there's no way I can steer it once the rain starts God shuts them in and they just in there hunkered down you know as the rain's pouring forth and they put all their faith in God uh, and so he is he is trusting God it says by faith Noah did these things and it's just amazing to me that uh, I mean, it, he's, a, he's a picture of Christ. He's a picture of what's to come. He's a foreshadow of, of who Jesus is going to be. It's by one man's faithfulness, by the, the activity of one man. Uh, Paul says that in Romans. By one man, by one man, Adam, things got all messed up. And by the, one, the second Adam, by Christ, all things are, are, are brought into, into perfection with God, covenant with God. And this is a picture of an entire world. I mean, Noah... The only faithful person in the entire world at this time. All the seed, the point of, that's why we talked about sons of God, daughters of men last week the way that we did. Because the point of the text is showing that even the line of Seth ended up getting mixed with the line of Cain until all was wicked. Wickedness was like an infection that just spread and grew and it was everywhere and it couldn't be scrubbed off. It couldn't be fixed. It couldn't be cleaned. It couldn't be anything. God just 
Noah found grace in the eyes of God, the only man, if, if Noah was uh, in, a, in a preacher's uh, association, he was the only member. <laughs> I mean, the only one. He's the only one there. All the world's wicked. And it's just, a, it's just an amazing picture. It draws your mind back to the true seed um, that alone, of course, Jesus alone satisfied, satisfied the judgment of God. Is there any questions, comments? Well, too, what do you have to think about is, is the long that time that they were in the ark, they would have had just literally had that space in communication with God so that they wouldn't go crazy or go into depression. Oh, yeah, I guarantee you. They had a full-time job taking care of all their lives. I would imagine. I would imagine. And just imagine, and we're going to see this next week and the week after probably, but... You can imagine, I mean, I told you all this a little last week, but you get that cartoony Noah's Ark mess out of your mind. This was terrifying. I mean, it was terrifying. You, they were, there's no, no electricity in the boat when God shuts them in and the rain starts. God actually shuts them in a week before the rain starts. And so they're just hunkered down in the boat. Just waiting, just waiting. And people's, you know, whatever. Now you can imagine the rain starting and the rain getting up to your waist, the rain getting up to your shoulders. By about that time, you've got people screaming, scratching at there, wanting to get in. And we all think of the flood. You think of pictures of the flood with the boat, you know, tooting around on the on the on the waves and all that stuff. But nobody ever gives mention to the millions of dead bodies that are floating around in the exactly. you know, it's it was terrifying for Noah. Can you imagine? Imagine his family in there. All living things are dying. Everything's dying. Everything's, and he can't open the door. They say, "Let us in." I didn't shut the door. God shut the door. You know, and so it's a. I imagine the smell on the inside was better than the smell. <laughs> Probably so. And remember this. We're going to see this again. We'll go right here. It rained for forty days and forty nights. But the water prevailed on the earth for 150 days, and Noah stayed in the ark for a year. He didn't come out. He, you know, during that time, it, he was in the in the ark for a year. You're going to see that as we he goes in on the certain day of the certain month, and he comes out that same month, a year later. And so it wasn't just, hey, we're going to go in here for 40 days or whatever. He was in the ark for a year. He was inside. It wasn't raining for a year, but the waters prevailed for 150 days and he was he was in the ark and, and then that's when he started sending out you know, sending out pigeons to try to find land or whatever. He actually had no idea how long he was going to be in this ark, right? Mm-mm. And you can imagine, I don't know about y'all, but after about six months, I'd be like, okay. Uh... I'm ready to go. Well, they also had to wait for the water to recede. Right, that's what I'm saying. They had to wait for the water to recede. That's why he was in the ark because for a year. Because if it landed, you know, and I'm sure it did, like the Bible says, of Mount Ararat. That ain't ground level. No, definitely not. But it's also a picture of, if you, if you stop and think about it, inside of the ark, it's also a picture of, of you know, where Adam come from. Noah had complete dominion over these animals. He had, you know, he was, he had to be in communication with God and, and lean fully on God and not listen to his nagging wife and wanting kids. You know, <laughs> you know, he had, it, it is, it's a, it goes back to a picture of Adam at the beginning where, you know, God is in charge and then he puts Noah in charge of his plan. Yeah, that's true. That's true.